Have you ever found yourself caught up in a story that it seemed like you were almost there? Maybe you just resonated with a certain character so deeply that you felt like this is your story. Well, life is full of stories, whether it's on the screen or written down or lived out in front of you. And who doesn't love a good story? Well, God's word is full of stories, yet it's also one big story, isn't it? As we heard this morning in our kids' talk, in that uh, kids' Bible, and we've heard over the last term. I wonder if you ever see yourself, though, in the stories of Scripture. These events that took place over 2,000 years ago aren't just written down for us to have an interesting read but to read us, to interpret us, to make sense of our lives, to pierce into our souls and to guide our stories into God's bigger story. Well, this story that we're delving into today, which is commonly known as the prodigal son, could also be summarised as the parable of the two sons, couldn't it? Since I'll put it to you, that both sons are sinners, equally in need of repentance, whom the father welcomes back to himself. Well, this passage here this morning is a story that identifies me, that, that I've related to in my walk with the Lord. And I wonder, as we walk through this story together, where do you see yourself We'll break this parable into four parts, as you can see on your outlines before you. Firstly, the younger son's sin, running away. Then the younger son's repentance, humbly returning. Thirdly, the older son's sin, pushing away. And fourthly, the older son's repentance, how will he respond? So I do hope you've got your Bibles open in Luke 15 in front of you so that you can follow along. Before we dive into this text, though, let's set a bit of background first. We're in the book of Luke, which is written by the doctor historian, who set out an orderly account so that the reader may have certainty regarding the things being taught about Jesus Christ. That's chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. And at this part in the account, chapter 15... Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, is living on earth and travelling about, healing and teaching in parables. The start of chapter 15 gives us here a clear purpose for why Jesus tells the three stories that follow. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Clearly, Jesus was ruffling a few feathers and the religious bigwigs weren't happy. This wasn't how they'd thought the promised Messiah would look. Jesus then tells two parables, stories with a message of something lost being found. And then we come to this tale of two sons, which 
this story fleshes out what Jesus was teaching in the first two parables of someone lost being found, of what a sinner who repents looks like and the rejoicing that follows that. So the first part of this parable shows us the younger son's sin in running away. Jesus begins the story by introducing the main characters. Verse 11, there was a man who had two sons. If you've been around church or the Bible for very long, this is probably a familiar story. You've probably heard sermons on this before. But sometimes our familiarities can actually hinder us when it comes to engaging in God's story. So let's keep our eyes and our hearts open as we unpack this parable. Knowing that every little detail isn't meant to be squeezed dry of all possible analogies and meanings. But that the story as a whole paints a picture with a clear point of application for you and me. So this story begins with the younger son going to his father. He comes and asks for his share of the property. Well, what this son is actually saying here is that he'd rather his father was dead. And could he please get his share of the inheritance early? Because he can't be bothered waiting until his father dies. The younger son wants to live for himself first and couldn't care less for the rest of the family. So he gets his money and he sets off on his own, finally free to do whatever he wants. He travels to that far off land that he's always dreamed of seeing. The responsibilities to his father are now cut loose. He can live it up without a care in the world. Life just becomes one big endless party. But there's a bit of a problem. The money doesn't last. Reckless living always comes at a cost. He was broke. He had nothing left. And even worse, famine arrived in the land, meaning that food was harder to come by. So he hires himself out to feed the pigs. Except the thing is that these pigs are better fed than he is. No one has pity on them. Maybe you wouldn't blame them. No one gives him anything. He's working in a foreign land with filthy animals and starting to dream about eating the pig slops. It's safe to say that this younger son has hit rock bottom. How did he get to this place? What went so wrong? He rejected his father. He ran away and he followed the lusts of his heart and desires of his flesh, seeking to serve himself first, putting himself at the centre of his world. And where did that end up? A starving, shamed, impoverished sinner far from home. Has this been your story? Have you found yourself at rock bottom, 
overwhelmed with the consequences of your sin, struggling to find any way out. Maybe you're in this place right now, running away, searching, but nothing truly satisfies. The shame and guilt of your sin weighs you down. Where will you find cleansing for your dirty soul? Who are you going to turn to for a new start? And how could anyone forgive you after what you've done? But maybe, on the other hand, you feel like this is a foreign story. This could never be me, you say. I'm not a big sinner. How dare you even mention the word? I'm much more respectable than this younger son over here. Well, keep listening for your part in the story. So in part one, we see the younger son's sin on display as he runs away from the father. This next part shows us his repentance, humbly returning to the father's welcome. So we continue in verse 17, where we see what true repentance looks like. Wake up. Own up, give up. First, the younger son wakes up, admits his sin. He came to himself. He looked at his situation soberly, perhaps for the first time in years. It takes the lowest of lows for him to see his sin. He identifies his sinful ways, no longer ignoring them. We're all blind to our own sin as well, to some extent. But as God's Spirit brings light into darkness, are you becoming more aware of your sin, increasingly put off by it? Secondly, he owns up. He confesses sin. The younger son makes a plan to confess his sin and humbly asked to be a servant in his father's house. He confesses his sin against God and his father. Since all sin is first committed against God, it usually involves others. Do you confess your sin to God, to others? We need to ask for forgiveness ourselves as we learn to extend forgiveness to those around us. Thirdly, he gives up. He seeks forgiveness of sin. He gives up trying to make himself right with the Father. He knows there's no way he can ever pay his debt back. The inheritance that he blew possibly hundreds of thousands of dollars. He gives up trying to clean himself up before he comes home. Just imagine him. He was filthy. He was working with pigs. Did he even have a home? The only way back to relationship is on the father's terms. Perhaps he thinks, I'll be accepted as a servant. He knows that his father's merciful 
So maybe he'll just extend that to this wayward son. But do we try and clean ourselves up before coming to God, our Father? Are you trying to pay God back for your wrongs? Well, like the younger son, you'll never be able to get clean or pay that debt back, the debt of sin that you owed. Repentance means receiving the gift of forgiveness that freely justifies you with God. Turn away from trusting in yourself to trusting in Christ and see that only the blood of Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross, brings forgiveness for you. Not your own feeble attempts at self-improvement. So how does the father respond to this younger son coming back? Well, we see in this passage that the father takes the initiative. While the son was still a long way off, the father sees him on the horizon and he runs to him, throwing all restraint aside. He picks up his gown and sprints to embrace this younger son which would have been scandalous in that day, an honourable man, throwing all nobility and properness to the wind. Before the son can even get his whole spiel out, the father begins to plan a celebration, to welcome this son home, and restores him to the family with a robe and a ring, instead of making him grovel or guilting him for his sin. The father receives his repentant son with joy, despite all the pain and trouble that this son has caused him. He celebrates that this lost son is now found. His son, who was as good as dead, is now alive. Now, like all parables, this Illustration only goes so far. God is not sitting at home and waiting, helpless, for us to repent, for us to come back before he does something, before he saves you. God grants repentance as a gift. Repentance itself, coming back, doesn't actually make you right with God. Now here's a question for any of the kids that might be not down the back or something. So kids, listen up. You can, you can yell out if you hear and you have an answer. Who, who makes us right with God? You can yell out if you know. Jesus. That's right. Jesus by his sacrifice. Only God's free grace in Christ gives you forgiveness for your sin. But repentance is a necessary outcome of receiving that gift of forgiveness. So the act of repentance doesn't save you, but it comes as a response to receiving God's grace in your life. And repentance isn't just a one-time activity that you did way back when God saved you. If you're still a sinner you still need to repent. 
There's still sin in our lives that we don't even know exists. Our hearts are deceitful and hide how sinful they really are, even to ourselves. We need to daily repent of the sin that God convicts us of. We need to take care to practice repentance for our particular sins in a particular way. So we learn to wake up, own up, give up. Walk through Psalm 51, read it through really slowly with your own sin in mind. Ask someone else here this morning or another brother or sister in Christ to pray for you, to keep you accountable. The Father welcomes sinners. He won't cast you out. You don't have to pay for your sin because Christ has already done it. The Father wants you to move away from your sin and move towards him. So we've seen this sin of the younger son and then his humble repentance. Now let's look at the older son and his sin. So from verse 25, we get a better look at this older son. He was working hard for his father when all of a sudden he hears sounds of a party. What's going on? He asks. When he finds out that this celebration is for his younger son's return, he gets angry. He gets self-righteous. The father comes out to welcome him and gets blasted in reply. I've worked hard for you. I've never disobeyed your rules. I never got to do what I wanted. But this despicable son of yours, who wasted half your wealth, gets a feast just for coming home? How dare you? Well, this is the part of the story that I resonate with. This was my story until God had mercy on me. You see, I used to think that if I just followed the rules, be a nice person, don't swear, go to church, read the Bible, pray, then God would accept me. My salvation, I thought, was based on my good works. And as for all those sinners out there, they didn't deserve to be forgiven. Well, how far from the truth I really was. While the older son didn't have any spectacularly public sins, he's just as much a sinner as the younger son. Although all sin is dangerous, maybe this kind of sin is more deceptive. The sin of pride that looks down on others and says, I'm right compared to you. I'm not a sinner. Reminds me of that other passage that Jesus talks about. The tax collector praying, thank you God that I'm not like that guy. Instead of saying to God, 
I'm wrong. Please forgive me. Well, maybe you're like the older son too. You haven't publicly blown it big time or had all your sin on display for the world to see. You've never been drunk. You've never slept around. You've never gambled. But sin's never far from home, is it? Maybe you self-medicate binging Netflix or computer games. Have you ever looked at a man or a woman with lust in your eyes? Or looked at a screen that you know you shouldn't have? Have you ever been greedy or selfish with your money? Have you ever told just a little white lie to make things a bit easier for you? Well, I hope I don't need to go on asking questions or ask for a show of hands for us to all realise that even if the sin isn't as visible as this younger son in the story, it's still just as much of a problem in here, our hearts. Going a step further, even outwardly good things can require repentance. Because of the false motives hiding underneath. Like me when I was younger, reading the Bible or praying is hardly a sin. It's a good thing to do. I'm encouraging you to do it. But the reasons I was doing those things was sinful, bad motivations, so that I could try and justify myself with God. Can you start to see how sinful we really are? I know I used to think I was a pretty good person. But the more I understand my heart, the more I feel like the chief of sinners. The sacrifice that God wants isn't just doing better or cleaning yourself up. It's a broken spirit and a contrite heart, as we saw in Psalm 51. Coming before the only one who's free of sin and humbly confessing your wrong, depending on his forgiveness. So first we saw the youngest son's sin in running away. Second, we looked at his repentance as he humbly returned. Then we thought about the older son's less visible but no less dangerous sin. Lastly, let's come to the older son's repentance. As we get to the end of this parable, the father is welcoming the older son, inviting him to join in the feast to celebrate the return of his younger brother. The father says to his older son, you're always with me. You've never lacked anything. Of course we should rejoice. Your brother has been restored to us. But as we read this story, we're left wondering at the end, what will his decision be? Will the older son get over himself and take part in this story of mercy and forgiveness? Or will he continue to relate to his father like an employee? Rules, contract-based. I do my work, I obey. You give me my pay, you give me what I want. 
but ignoring the person and the relationship that he has with his father. This is the pointy end of the parable. As you remember, it's why Jesus told these three stories. The Pharisees were grumbling about Jesus receiving sinners. You get the impression they were the older son in this story that Jesus was talking about. They needed to stop looking to their rule-keeping to get right with God and repent. Jesus wanted them. He wants us to be sinners who repent, to be welcomed in by the Father. Because while we may feel the weight and burden of being sinners, Christ welcomes sinners. The Father has his arms open wide to all who receive his free gift of grace. If you know your sin and feel overwhelmed by it, then now is your opportunity to come to God and find true forgiveness. Practice repentance. Wake up, own up, give up. Take your sin to God. Admit Confess, seek forgiveness. Learn to forgive others as you grow in receiving God's forgiveness of you. This doesn't come naturally. We'd be much more comfortable leaving our sin in the closet. But we get to do this together. Encouraging one another as a church of sinners who need repentance who need to hear from others how God is at work in wayward sons and daughters to welcome us back into his family. I hope you've seen yourself somewhere in this story today and how God is at work to call sinners like you and me back to himself. So fellow sinners, God welcomes you. Will you come with your sin-stained heart and receive his love? Let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you welcome sinners to yourself. We confess that much of the time we don't want to feel like sinners. We can be blind to our own sin. But really, we've got no hope of cleaning ourselves up before coming to you. Father, please forgive us of our pride and give us confidence, trust in the sacrifice of Christ in our place, that he paid the price for sin so that we could be forgiven, washed clean, through doing nothing of our own. May we not be consumed by the guilt of sin, but trust that your promise, trust in your promise that if we confess our sin to you, you are faithful and just to forgive us. Lord, please help us to live lives of ongoing repentance, where we would see sin's attraction to us decrease and our love for you increase. May we extend this love and forgiveness to each other knowing 
that we are able to forgive because we have been forgiven much. We have received your amazing grace. And we pray that through all of this, you would get the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.